13. You don't have to actually read verbally, but read this into your heart. Read this over yourself this morning. This is how the book of Psalms, our book of prayer, our book that teaches us so much about what an intimate, deep, and abiding relationship with God looks like. And this is how the Psalms begin. We're going to read Psalm 1 here this morning. Blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked, or stand in the way that sinners take, or sit in the company of mockers, but whose delight is in the law of the Lord, and who meditates on his law day and night. That person is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season, and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever they do prospers. Not so the wicked, they are like chaff that the wind blows away. Therefore the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the assembly of the righteous. For the Lord watches over the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked leads to destruction. Encouraging words, harsh words, definitely truthful words that so many lives end up in despair, darkness, desperation, and even self-destruction when not walking in the ways of our Lord and not sitting with Him. Let me get this going here by asking you all a question. Who here has ever had that experience where you go to take a flight at the airport and they're like, oh, I'm sorry, sir, I'm sorry, ma'am, but we're going to have to bump you up to first class. Who's ever had that experience? Oh my goodness, a couple have. I never have. Who are you people? I fly, you know, like two, three times a year to see my family once or twice for work. I'm the guy where it's like, oh, we're sorry, sir, but, you know, your flight's been delayed. You know, I'm like, oh, and then delayed again and then canceled. I mean, if I check luggage, guaranteed, I will not see that bag for two to three weeks. I mean, I have gone whole trips without any of my stuff because it gets lost. I, I don't know. I just have the, the curse of travel. In fact, last summer, whenever my family went to celebrate my parents' 50th uh, wedding anniversary, and we drive the car to uh, Pittsburgh, we return the rental, we go to check into our flight, and they say, oh, we're sorry, but the flight has been canceled, but you can take a flight on Thursday morning. It was Sunday. Like, what do you mean? Like, like that's four full days later. We drive, we ran down, we got back into the rental car, we drove 24 hours straight here. I have the curse, so I never get bumped, except it did happen to me recently that I finally did get the, the bump, but it was in a different, different area. So I got a call a couple weeks ago, and somebody from this church, they said, George, I've got two extra tickets to a Rockies game. Uh, something came up. We can't go. Would you like the tickets? And I said, of course I would like the tickets. So then I called up my wife, and I said, honey, I love you so much. I got us tickets. We're going to go on a date tonight. It's going to be so special. Then they came and dropped the tickets off and ruined the surprise that I hadn't actually bought them, but that's not the point of the story. We got the tickets, we go down to the Rockies game, and, and we pull in, we park, and we're walking through. And, and as we're walking, I'm realizing, like, oh, we're getting, like, closer to being behind home plate. Like, this is, this is pretty cool. So we get there, and I'm like, then, like, we're at the section. And at this point, I'm used to turning around and going up. You know, like, oh, all right, here I go, up to the nosebleed, pull out the binoculars. But I'm like, oh, no, we're going down. Ooh, <laughs> I've never had this experience before. So we start going down the steps, closer and closer to being right behind, you know, home base there. And then it happens. One of these stadium guards 
they just step right in front of me. Sir, I swear he had a British accent. Sir, you know, may I see your ticket, please? I mean, he just, he, just like, he just looked me over and he's like, you don't belong here. You do not breathe the rarefied air of the front section behind home plate. And I just said, why, yes, you can see my tickets. So I gave him the tickets and he looks at them and he looks at me and he says, right this way. And, I, and so he, he leads us down into this section like right behind home plate. And I look around, I'm like, Robin, Robin, look, like, like there's a scout like right there. Like he's got the clipboard and he's dressed up and he's got a big gold ring. I guarantee you he won that in some World Series. I mean, I, I, I mean we are like, I, I, Jay-Z walked by, I think. I mean, maybe not Jay-Z. I mean, I mean, it was like, I was like, oh my goodness, I can't believe I am experiencing this. Here's the thing. That ticket was mine. That ticket gave me the right to go down to the front. That ticket gave me the right to breathe the rarefied air of life right behind home base. That ticket secured me a seat with scouts and celebrities and a hobnob with the upper crust of the Denver elite. I don't know who was it. I mean, it was this amazing experience. And that ticket gave me the right to do all of that. But there's one other thing about that ticket. Let me tell you this. I did nothing to earn it. I did nothing to earn that seat. That seat was a gift to me. That seat was earned for me by someone else. That seat was bestowed upon me at the invitation of another. And all that there was for me to do, my only role, my only responsibility in this was to say yes and thank you. To say yes and to thank you and to receive this gift, gift, to take that ticket and then to take my seat. To take my seat in that special spot reserved for me. I want to talk to you this morning about taking your seat. I want to talk to you this morning about checking your seat. Will you tell your neighbor, check your seat? No, all right, all right. I'm going to wait here because I want you to tell your neighbor, check your seat. I want to hear it. Check your seat. Now, I have, to get, I have to get you engaged in this because I know you kind of wanted to say it like this. You didn't want to say like, check your seat. You were like, check your seat, right? I mean, and so, so just forgive me in advance right now. I'm definitely going to slip into an accent that I don't actually possess because we're going to check your seat today. Today is all about checking your seat. Because sitting is very important in the story of Scripture. And to let you know where this is going, we're going to talk about our present seat. I'm going to spend the bulk of this morning talking about our, our present seat. Where we are choosing to sit. And where we choose to sit, here in worship. Congratulations, by the way. You've started your week right. You've started your week well. You've decided to sit in the presence of the Lord, to sit with God's people, to sit at the feet of Jesus. But where we sit during the week will really tell the story of your life with, with, with uncanny accuracy. You know, like, like with, a, with a wisdom of, of Samuel or, or Nathaniel or some prophet, I could tell you, I could predict for you countless outcomes of your life 
if you tell me where you sit during the week, where you choose to sit, who you choose to be with, where you choose to put your time, where you choose to sit will tell the story of actually very much the path of your life. We're going to talk about your present seat. That's going to take the bulk of our time. We're going to talk a little bit about your promised seat in Jesus Christ. And just because I have an education and I'm trained in alliteration, we will then talk about Jesus's presiding seat. I had to find a P word and shoehorn it in there. So we're going to talk about your present seat. We're going to talk about your promised seat. And we're going to end on the high note of the presiding seat of Jesus Christ. The present seat is what we're choosing to do with our lives. The promise seat is that we have been promised that in Jesus Christ we stand in righteousness and we worship a God who is presiding now. Jesus who came and sat with people. The incarnate God, flesh and blood, sat and did life with people and now he sits at the right hand of God the Father Almighty and he will come again and we are told that he will sit in a throne of judgment and that judgment will bring restoration. It will bring pre, uh, peace. It will bring wholeness. It will bring the consummation of the kingdom of God and the fulfillment of the promises of our scriptures. But I'm getting ahead of myself there. We're going to end on that note of the promise of the seat of Jesus Christ. But sitting, I have to stand because that's how I preach, of course. Sitting is, is a big deal in scripture. I would tell you to do your own study of, of sitting uh, this week, except that this end, ended up taking up hours of my time this, this week, which was actually a lot of fun because I just had this idea, um, and, and, and I'll tell you later where, where it came from, um, of like, ooh, ooh, sitting seems to appear a lot in scripture. So, I just went to my Bible search, and, and, and to sit, to sit, men and women to sit, for kings to sit down, the images of Christ sitting and God sitting on the throne appears over 250 times. The past tense, to have sat, appears over 200 times, and then if you throw in seat, to take a seat, you're going to get more than 50 times, so you're going to have more than 500 occurrences of sitting in the scripture. And it's quite obvious, it's because sitting has a lot to do, we spend a lot of our times in our lives just, just, just sitting. Of course, one of the big reasons, I think the reason that we think of sitting in our culture, in our context, in our lives, is we get to sit to rest. We think about a frenetic pace, running back and forth, going to and fro, getting things done. And the image of sitting for us is great because we think of sitting as rest. That's the Labor Day weekend connection. Oh, I get to sit and I get to rest. By the way, I'm moving this weekend to a new house, so I've done no sitting and no resting. I will try and steal some Sabbath at some point, but my goodness, sitting and resting is good. I'm reminded of, of Moses. Whenever Moses, uh, in the Exodus story that we studied this summer, he kind of thwarted the plan of God early on, and he sees this opportunity. He actually killed somebody, gets fined out. Pharaoh basically puts a price on his head, as we read in the story, in the context there. And it says that he fled, he ran, and he ran from Egypt all the way to Midian. And we know that that would have been several days' journey. And finally, finally, says that he sat down at a well to rest. And already we saw then the imagery that Christ was going to sit down at a well to rest and meet a woman and become for her the spring of living water, rest for her soul. So we find this beautiful imagery of sitting and, and resting in God, 
in Scripture. Conversely, on the other end, we see that some people, because of their position, because of their authority, they actually take a seat to, to work. They sit down to work. Later, at another stage in Moses' life, whenever he was leading the people and he took them out of Egypt, and, and, he, and, and they were actually with great mistakes along the way, but they were affirming his authority and leadership. So, so he sat down to preside and to hear their cases and to offer judgments and to give counsel and to give advice. So in authority then, he was taking a seat for a very different reason. And of course, we know that Jesus, we see both of those. He would sit at a well and find rest with a woman and become life to her. Then Jesus would sit like Moses on that mount, Jesus, our new... I keep dipping back into Exodus because it's still so vibrant and alive for me. It'll listen to this series this summer. He would sit on the mount and then begin to teach the people. When the teacher sits, that's when people actually knew in that culture, in that context, oh, he's serious. He, he means something. He's settling in and he's going to share it with us. So Jesus would then sit in his authority and teach the people. We, we also then read that Jesus would sit in fellowship. He would sit in fellowship with people. And we think about that when we gather and come around a table. We call up friends on a Friday night or a Saturday night. We meet at a restaurant. And after running around and getting sitters for the kids or doing whatever we have to do, we have that moment then when we sit with friends, we're like, oh, this is good. This is good to be with my friends. I was thinking about Jesus sitting with his friends. And then I realized, huh, every time Jesus sat in fellowship, he got accused of sitting in fellowship with, with sinners tax collectors, right? <laughs> they say you're judged by the company you keep. There's a lot of truth to that. We could spend all of our time sitting with proverbial, now, sinners and tax collectors. We could be sitting with them because we want to join in shaking our hands at God, or we could be joining with them because we want to open our hands and show them the love of Jesus Christ who became so associated with the people in need that his fellowship became that was, was among sinners and tax collectors. He said, I didn't come for the healthy. I didn't come for people who don't need a doctor. I didn't come for people who don't think they have it all figured out. I came for the people that know they need fellowship with somebody who will bring life to them. So we find this idea of sitting and bringing, bringing fellowship. We also then see people sitting in worship. And where we sit in worship tells us a lot, of course, about our life. I always know the people that sit in the front, they are ready to worship God. They want to sit in the front, looking at you, sit in the front, and they don't want to be distracted. They don't care who's beside them. They don't care who's behind them. They don't care. They want to sit. They want to sing. They want to lift prayers. They want to hear the word of God. Nothing else matters. So they sit front and center. Some of the best people sit up in the front in worship. Amen, front people? Amen. All right. I, I, that's like a guaranteed amen there. I mean, I just told you to do it. But some great people sit in the back. Some ushers and servants sit in the back. Some people that watch over us sit in the back. Some people are sitting way in the back today. They're sitting back there with kids now, teaching them, being their hands being the feet, I'm sorry, being the hands and the feet of Jesus, raising them up in the faith. So where we sit in worship says a lot, but to sit in worship, to stop wherever that puts us up front or in the back in service or wherever we feel comfortable when we sit in worship and come into fellowship 
with the Holy Spirit and take our rest in Jesus and say, you who now sits before us, teach us, guide us, lead us in your authority. Sitting is a big deal. Sitting is a really big deal. Psalm 1. Just, let's just, just pull that, that one up again there. Maybe we need to pull. I think I got these all in the program. Oh, I do. Good. Psalm 1. Let's just read that first verse again here. Let me read it for you. Blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked or stand in the way that sinners take or sit in the company of mockers. This week, I need you to check your seat. Where are you going to be sitting this week, kids? You'll be sitting in school, of course. You'll be sitting in classrooms. That, that, that's sort of imposed upon you. Where are you going to choose to sit this week, young people? Who are you going to surround yourself by and with? Are you going to sit with people who are going to help lead you down paths of righteousness? Or are you going to sit with people that you know might lead you into paths that lead to darkness and destruction? It's not always that easy. I get it, but... You can usually assess the situation where you're sitting. Are you going to sit with adults that are going to be kind and loving and caring and speak into your life? Are you going to sit with adults from this church who want to speak into you and guide you? And are you going to sit with your parents or other relatives who are the people that can be with you your whole lives? And Where are you going to sit this week? Where are you going to choose to sit with the time that isn't allotted to you, that you get to choose, where are you going to sit? Are you going to sit in the presence of God this week? Are you going to sit in worship and in rest in Him? Adults, where are you going to sit this week? I know you're going to probably, most of us now, we probably sit for, for, for work. But, but as you sit there, Really, where, where are you sitting? Are you sitting in the seat then of a servant, of somebody saying, I'm, I'm here to do a work that I'm called to. I'm here to be a blessing to other people. I'm here to be a blessing to my employer, to my company. Uh, am I here to actually sit and do the job that God calls me to do? Where are you going to sit this week? I need you to check your seat, parents. Are you going to sit with your kids this week, parents? I, I'm just going to preach on that one for a minute because... Nobody has time. I, as a pastor, I'm shocked at how I can always find the excuse of I don't have time for my own kids, it feels like. So am I going to make time to sit with them? Am I going to make time to sit and have a meal with them? Am I going to make time to seize an opportunity to say, yes, I'll be the one to give you a ride to the football game because now you and your friends will be stuck with me for 20 minutes and I'll get to be with you even just for that little bit of time. Are you going to sit with your kids this week to guide and to lead and to bless and to speak over them? Where are you going to sit? I need you to check your seat this week, parents. Here, here's the real reason I wanted, I wanted, wanted to preach on this, though. Um, Jesus sat down in, in authority and began to teach on the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus then, we, we later in life, he, he comes to sit in, the, in his ministry. He comes to sit at the house of, of Martha and Mary. And it says that Mary, uh, Martha was still busying herself, which needed to happen. You know, and I preached on that before, so it, it's a good thing. But, but the time came to sit at the feet of Jesus, and, and, and Mary is sitting there. 
and, and, and Martha kind of gets upset, and Jesus gently kind of says, you know, Mary's chosen the more important thing, the thing that matters most. It will not be taken from her. I will not remove this opportunity to sit at the feet and to find my rest in, in her. The thing that actually got me going on this and the sitting at the feet of Jesus and sitting here was actually a little study I was doing in the life of Elijah and Elisha because thinking about, you know, maybe next summer, kind of going back to the Old Testament. So I was reading this and, 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 and this idea of rest came to me whenever uh, we read that Elijah, uh, he just defeats this like mob force. They're called these prophets of Baal. And it's a scene, if you learned it in, as, a, as a Sunday school, as a kid, awesome. Um, the point here being he has this incredible victory and, and then this kind of like war is coming and uh, the queen is going to become after him and he, and he gets scared. He runs off into the desert and it says that he sat beneath a broom bush. And it was just such a curious thing to me. I did a quick study on the broom bush. And the broom bush, there's three interesting things about it. Now I kind of get, get back on track here. Three interesting things. The broom bush only grows out in the desert. The broom bush has this bitter root that in desperate times people dig up and eat. Job actually did that whenever he was in his distress. And the broom bush, actually, if you've seen it, it grows like a broom. It sends out like hundreds and hundreds of little tendrils that grab on to things. And then it's this imagery, and I'll, I'll like come back to it here because I'm just going to say it now, but it's so awesome. So see this imagery of, of Elijah, and in his desperation, he goes to a dry place, a desert place, a wasteland place. He sits beneath this bush that has this bitter root that you only eat in the most desperate of times. And the very nature of the bush is that it sends off little tendrils that just cling to and hold to anything that it can get its grip on. And that just is such an imagery of sitting beneath sort of the ways of this world versus the ways of Christ, you know, versus the ways that lead to darkness and the ways that lead to life and light, you know, this, th th this dark place, this dry place, this bitter place, holding onto this bitter root, these tendrils that hold, oh, anyways, I'll, I'll preach on that more later. Um, so, so where are you going to sit? Are you going to sit in that desert place that you know is desperation, or are you going to sit in the places that bring blessing? I want to tell you about a seat. Let me do a time check, because I promised we'd worship. We got time. There's a seat that I can promise will bring that blessing to your life. There's a seat that if you sit in it, if in the next season of your life, if you decide to sit in this seat, I can guarantee you, I, re I really think I can. I think I can give a, you know, full money that back, tithe back guarantee, whatever you want to call it, guarantee that you will experience blessing in your life. If you sit in this seat, you will find what the Bible calls fellowship. You will find a fellowship of the Spirit because the very point of getting into this circle, getting into this seat, is that we would do fellowship together and invite the Holy Spirit to be present in our lives and the lives of one another. You will experience in a growing and deepening way what the Bible can only describe as a fellowship in the Spirit of what actually becomes the body of Christ. If you've never had experience of saying, I am a part of the body of Christ, Christ who loves me, Christ who died for me, Christ who rose for me, Christ who is coming again for me, that I am now by the power of the Spirit, the very hands and feet and the body of Christ. You can experience it 
in this seat. If you get into this seat, you will experience a deepening and growing relationship with God. I don't think you can get in this seat and not grow in your knowledge and faith and walk with God because you will be surrounding yourself again with people who are on that same course and that same path. If you get into the seat, I guarantee you will grow in your knowledge of the Bible because you will open up your Bible and you will pray together and you will discuss it and you will learn. And it may not be, wow, and I'm odd and I don't you know, but over the course of time, the knowledge will well up. It will be stored away in your heart and you will find that the word will speak into and through your life in remarkable ways. If you get into one of these seats, I guarantee you will find encouragement when you need it. When life throws you a curveball, when a challenge comes your way, when sickness or illness comes upon you, when, uh, when life happens and life is hard and a struggle sometimes, you will find encouragement. The encouragement will be like, yeah, that's pretty bad. Sometimes it's, no, get over it. But whatever it is that you're, you will find encouragement in the seat. You will find yourself being the encourager in this seat. You will find in remarkable ways, you become the answer to people's prayers. You become Christ to them. Your very presence is the encouragement that they need, and that will challenge you to continue to grow and deepen and develop your knowledge. If you're not aware of what I'm talking about at this point, which I think, uh, oh, oops, sorry. If you're not aware of what I'm talking about at this point, let me just tell you, I'm talking about getting in one of these connection groups. Get into a connection group that's going to meet in a home around the city during the week to discuss and go deeper into what we do here, the passages that we talk about, the topics that we delve into. Get into a group that will let you process and apply and go deeper into that with a group of people. Get into one of our groups that meets here on the campus. We have a women's Bible study. We're going to start some Sunday night programs again. We have prayer groups. We have groups that meet here. Get into one of these groups, and I promise you, I really do, you're going to grow in your faith, because that's the whole point. It's what we do. It might be, in fact, I know this, for some of you that, you, you, this is where he kind of the pastor then, you know, you know, for a lot of you, 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 work, you work in the world, and I know some people, and I talk to people, they work in difficult environments even harsh environments. Some of you have even told me you work in what could only be considered a hostile environment. And it's a challenge, and it wears on you, and it can be difficult. For some people I know, and this is the amazing thing, that when you get in that circle, when you get in that seat during the week, it's like one of the only times in the week where you're not crazy for wanting to know God. You're not crazy for wanting to pray together. You're not crazy for having questions about life and faith. You are not mocked and ridiculed or chastised for not being perfect and having issues and wanting to talk about it and needing help. It becomes this sanctuary, this refuge, this safe place, this growing place, this nurturing place, this place of belonging. And maybe you don't have that any other time during the week. Don't deny yourself that seat. That time, that fellowship, that growth, those relationships, what God can do. This is so basic. This is so fundamental. It just comes down to this, friends. We, we, we want God and life and church, of course, to be a blessing to you, of, of course. But, but I, I, know, I know this. 
the early church worshipped God. They continued to keep a Sabbath, and they worshipped God. They gathered in homes, and they lived such lives of beauty and generosity and caring encouragement that the people around them, they couldn't speak bad against them, even though they didn't believe in the God they worshipped because they are such amazing people. And that's all we're trying to do here, create worship experiences over the weekend that we can all come together and all worship God. We're trying to create opportunities for you to gather in homes and in safe spaces here at the church throughout the week because that's what the people of God did. And then equip and empower you to serve on teams here at the church or out in our community to go and live such remarkable lives that people say, I don't know what it is about those people, but they're awesome. It's just part of that simple life and flow of the body of Christ that we're inviting you to step into, actually to take a seat into in this coming season of your life. I promise you I wanted to give you some time to worship, so let me end with this. That's the seat that I want you to check this week, and I want you to check it out, look at that catalog, get online, and and I pray everybody that calls Connections Homes has some circle, and if there isn't a circle, let me say this, if there isn't a circle that fits for you, I'm going to kind of give the mechanics now so I can end on a high note here in in the next second, then let's start a new group. If the group that we have doesn't work for you, let's start a new group. We have the curriculum. It's called the Bible. We have the space. It's called your house or the church here, and we can do this together as the body of Christ. I want to invite the team to come forward, and they're going to kind of start to lead me into our last two movements here. Again, I told you to be quick. We, we have this present seat, and we have a promise seat. We have a promise seat in Jesus Christ, and this is your program there. And this is going to go quick now, but don't miss this part. Don't miss this part at all. God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. You didn't catch it. It happened so fast. You can almost miss it. God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. What tense was that just preached in? The past tense. The reality of Christ's sitting at the right hand of God the Father Almighty, presiding over us in authority and love and compassion, is so real for Paul here. He speaks of it in the past tense. I am already now seated with Jesus Christ, my Savior and my Lord. Friends, I pray that your experience of God would become so vivid and so real and become such that your reality is this, that in the quiet of the night or in the dawn of the morning or in the chaos of the day, you could have moments when you can say, I am already now. Don't look at some Zen yogi or something here, you know, you know, but it's, I am already seated with Christ. My righteousness is in, is in him. My hope is in him. My life is in him. I am seated with Christ, my Savior and Lord, and in him I will sit in rest. In him I will sit in love. In him I will sit and abide in his presence. Friends, you are already seated with Christ. But that's not the end. We have this beautiful image given to us in Revelation. Now to him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb be praise and honor and glory and power forever and ever. And all God's people said, 
we're going to wrap it up with that. I'll preach more on this another time. I like this seat imagery. But we are going to worship him who sits on the throne. And my friends, find your rest, your life, your abiding presence in him who sits upon the throne. Sit in worship in, with him. Sit in confidence that you are now in heavenly realms through Christ Jesus, our Lord and Savior. Sit and rest in the assurance that when he comes, he brings justice and righteousness and streams of living water, and he will be for us the very light and love of God reigning and ruling in the consummation of the kingdom. Friends, sit in him, and if you want to experience foretastes and glimpses of that promise for us, get into a circle, get with a group, get with the body of Christ, and sit in fellowship with them. Let me pray for us. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for this Labor Day weekend. I thank you for a long weekend I thank you for the blessings in my life. I thank you for the blessings of your church. I thank you for blessings upon this people. And I pray that this imagery, so woven throughout all of Scripture, so vivid, so real, becomes for us a checkpoint, a reminder, a renewing of our faith and commitment that whenever we sit this week, we are reminded that we sit in rest with you. Whenever we sit this week, we will sit in the authority that you bring. I pray that this week that my brothers and sisters here will, will sit as families and fellowship together. I pray that as individuals, we'll sit before your word and in prayer and in fellowship with your spirit. I pray that more and more we will move towards the people who sit together in circles around your throne and that we do life together as the body of Christ. I pray that we sit with you now and for all eternity in the promised feast that is given to us when we will dine at the banquet table of the kingdom with saints of old and saints of all throughout all the ages, feasting the table of you, our Lord. We pray this in your name, Lord Jesus. Let's worship him.